Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. What's up? It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. We are actually not at the Planet Kia Studios. We are live at the Spectrum Center here where the Charlotte Hornets play basketball, but not anymore, at least for a while. The end of the regular season took place this past weekend, and the Charlotte Hornets, they got a win. 106 over the Cleveland Cavaliers to 95, but the record does stand at 27-55. and 55. They will now have the fourth best odds to get the number one overall selection, and all throughout the day, coaches, players, they've been speaking with media during the end of season media availability. We'll have a couple of guys roll through. We have Steve Clifford. Hopping on with us at 1 o'clock. Had a chance to talk with him actually a little while ago. We're going to play that interview for you at 1 o'clock in just about an hour. So you're going to have to stay tuned to hear what Steve Clifford's thoughts were on the end of the season. And, Wes, it's tough, right? Because Jeff just asked me before I hopped on, where do we start with this season? If you want to start with the positive, there's not many. But at the end of the season, young guys got opportunities. And I think for the most part, made the most of it. If you go to the veterans, then everybody got hurt that wasn't P.J. Washington. If you were a veteran on this team, then you missed significant time. We talked about the games played, the top five guys. J.T. Thor was second behind P.J. Washington. Teo Maladone is out here being in the top ten when he went like on a three-month hiatus of not playing any real NBA basketball. It goes to show this season was defined by the injuries, but at least you found a way to climb up somehow to get 27 wins, which, by the way, it's not a bad total for you to be the fourth worst team in the league if you compare it to years past, 27 wins. It usually means, like, you're the sixth, seventh, eighth worst team in the league, and so here they are at the fourth. How would you describe this season? Is it just injuries galore as you reflect back on what happened 2022-2023? I think it was just a season that never had a chance. When you talk about the beginning uh, in the offseason and Miles Bridges having the charges that he had and that really uh, putting a damper on the positivity, even though the Hornets lost in the play-in round by a significant margin, uh, there was still a lot of optimism because you felt this team was on the way up. Maybe they make a move in the offseason season, maybe they get a Donovan Mitchell. Maybe they go after uh, a big fish, so to speak, to really solidify this team. So you start there. And then you come into the offseason with LaMelo's injury, and it just seems like things are doomed uh, from the start. So um, you know, I think you just start there, but this team, they just kept fighting all season long. Injuries, you can't do anything about it. And this was basically the season that you'd summarize as the season that never got started. Yeah, it, yeah 100%. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it just, it, you're so right. Like, Miles Bridges, before even free agency, got started it is the day before the timing of everything could not have come at a worse time for the charlotte hornets team tim haynes taking hates tanking it's tough to say he wrote in on the garage door guru text line you can too 704-570-9610 he said please dunk on bill simmons and ryan Rosillo for saying charlotte deserves Wimbenyama the least and that he should pull an eli manning if charlotte wins the lottery <laughs> yeah i mean i am gonna dunk on him like i Look, I understand that That's Charlotte. Foul line worthy. Well, it is foul line worthy. It, it, I might do it if we were back at the Planet Kia Studios. But look, if if you think that the Hornets are the worst organization, 
What makes you look at Houston the past year and says, there's a functional franchise I'd like to give a generational talent to? What in the world are you doing looking at Houston and saying, yes, please have Wimby go there? If Greg Popovich leaves the Spurs, to be fair, they've earned the benefit of the doubt as far as how they handle things 100%, and I get all of that. But LaMelo Ball alone should make this an enticing picture for Victor Wembanyama. those two guys playing the two-man game. And I'm telling you, man, Every single person that tries to bring LaMelo out of the city of Charlotte and put him in L.A. more than most cities, but at least with some kind of contender, it's all outside noise. It is not from LaMelo. Every single time anybody asks him about the city of Charlotte, he says that he spends a lot of his summers here, a lot of his offseason here, and how much he likes it in the city and how much he wants to build something with this organization. So if you all think that LaMelo is going to leave, then it's all outside noise, and that's nothing from him himself. So, yeah, I hope that was a good dunk on, because just as far as comparing that team, the Charlotte Hornets, to a Detroit blatantly, egregiously tanking this past season, Hornets finished 10 games above Detroit this year. 10 games above, and they still have the fourth worst odds. Goes to show you just the direction Detroit took, as well as what Houston was able to do this year, not able to do with how bad they were. Yeah, and uh, I never liked Ryan Rosillo anyway, so I'm automatically dunking on him Is that right? off of the, off the, <laughs> off the rip. rip. I never liked him. <laughs> regardless so uh but him saying that really means nothing to me like i said it's typical charlotte man this city has always been looked down upon when you talk about sports always overlooked or looked down upon so people saying those comments i mean it doesn't surprise me in the least because like you said i mean what makes san antonio deserving what makes houston deserving the the pistons of all teams has had a hundred lottery picks in the last five years and still can't win more than 20 games what makes them deserving so Mm -hmm. uh that that comment means little to nothing to me and uh, I think that if anything they've got a great situation for him because you look at uh, like I said the Pistons yes they have Kay Cunningham but he would automatically have a guard in LaMelo Ball that's going to be ready and waiting uh, to help him be the best player that he can be plus with the way that this team passes the ball believe the note said this is the first year in franchise history where they had five players with 200 or more assists this is a franchise that's going to share the basketball look to get guys open they want to see each other play well so I think Wimby would assimilate very nicely here so who gives a damn what they have to that's say right Rosillo. that's right now here's here's something though real quickly i do want to get off the bus <laughs> but at the same time people have told me that i sound like Rosillo a little bit every now and then do you get triggered hearing me i just, don't get just, triggered and i never thought about it until you brought it up so that probably <laughs> no yeah. any, so any argument we have is now made worse because i sound like ryan Rosillo a little <laughs> bit because it's, it's the deep voice thing of course i don't know if fitty said this over the airwaves but of course he was in my ear saying you, yes he does get you triggered. have more charisma though, Thank because, you. you know, Rosillo sounds very, uh, you know, condescending, you know, uh, in his tone. You have much more uh, optimism and I hope charisma. So. I hope so, especially yes. when talking about the Hornets. Maybe I'm a little condescending to Fiddy every now and then, but yeah. he deserves but it. He, he definitely deserves <laughs> it at <laughs> That's all okay. times. That's all right. Speaking of Fiddy, he is the bus driver, so let's get out before he crashes us and hurts us because he's angry at what I had to say. <laughs> Fiddy, open up the doors, man. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. All right, we already started talking about some of our Charlotte Hornets observations, but guys have been speaking at the podium for end-of-season media availability. We heard from Steve Clifford at 9 o'clock to really get things started, and this is something I asked him, Wes, just about trying to figure out what we can copy and paste from this year, apply it to next year. 
It's the fact that so many different guys played in different roles. You had P.J. Washington play 73 games, and that's with an end-of-season injury that held him out a handful of contests. So I think he was kind of an Iron Man in that regard. But it's so tough to try to evaluate some of the players playing in a different role because of all the injuries, because LaMelo only logged 36 games this entire season, because Terry, usually a guy that's healthy relatively compared to the last three seasons, he only played like 63. You're talking about Gordon. Gordon, who played 50, and that's actually more than he has the last two seasons as well. So with guys playing in different roles, I think there are benefits and detriments to it. The good news is you get to see some of the positives. They are now able to play a little bit more in chaos, Mm -hmm. but also it doesn't give you a true sense of how they're going to look with a normal, competent, and even somewhat healthy basketball team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that also, too, as you said, all the minutes and invaluable experience uh, that the young guys got. But I think also the thing that you take away is, you know, the way this team played defensively post-All-Star break. Uh, You know, you are very proud of that. They finished up eighth in defense defensive rating uh, after the All-Star break. And that was the main thing that you brought in Steve Clifford for, was to make this a better defensive team. We knew offensively what they were capable of. And, um, but defense was the name of the game and that's what they wanted and that's what they felt like uh, they weren't getting in the previous regime Hornets finished 30th though in offensive rating after the all-star break so that's something to be worked on but there's also a caveat there because you didn't have your main catalyst because we know what this offense looks like with LaMelo Ball in the lineup. I, I mean honestly I think when you look at Steve Clifford and what he did this season achieving 27 wins, and Cleveland wasn't set out to to win in this last game as much. They didn't have Donovan Mitchell. They were missing a few of their better players. They did have Jared Allen out there for a little bit. But 27 wins with an identity, I think that's something I put a lot of emphasis on because you don't have LaMelo, okay? LaMelo is a guy that made this offense one of the better offensive units in all of the league. And when he doesn't play... They are not only one of the worst, they can literally be the worst when it's Dennis Smith Jr. as your lead ball handler. Even with Teo Maladone, who I mentioned went on a three-month hiatus because he was just playing with the Greensboro Swarm. So what do you do? You shift your identity. you got to be able to lean on something that you do well. And this is a team, by the way, that was not defending at any kind of high level the last few seasons. Post-All-Star break, they did. They were third in defensive rating. They were first going into the OKC game. They were the best defensive transition team in all of the NBA. Man, what else do you want them to do? I mean, they don't got LaMelo. Gordon Hayward's not playing. Terry Rozier's not playing. Their top eight guys in the rotation are sitting out, and yet still they're able to muster up at least a few different victories. And all that to say, Wes, it didn't hurt their draft stock, right? It didn't hurt their lottery odds because they were locked into that fourth worst spot the entire time. You really hope this next season goes a lot better, but I will say Steve Clifford, I expect him to be back. Owner change could mean something different. I mean, it can't get any worse, right? It can't get any worse, and I do think Steve Clifford is going to be back, and he was able to salvage something from a season that went horribly wrong even before free agency Yeah, started. and I mean, as I said, it can't get any worse as far as you would think that next season you're not going to have the injury bug plague the basketball team. Teams go through that uh, at times, and so I'm a big law of averages guy, so you'd yeah. like to think that there's no way you're going to have this amount of players that are going to be hurt next year for long junctions. We know that the season brings knick-knack injuries here and there. You might miss a guy for a significant amount of time, but I'd like to think that this team will be much healthier next season. And, uh, you know, this is a team to watch. They have pieces that they could make some moves with if they want to as far as having veteran guys there as well. But a lot of these guys want to come back. 
and I think Coach Clifford's going to be back as well. Uh, a lot of these guys love him, and they want to play for him, and I'm sure that they did not want this to be his first impression of them with the way the season has gone. So next year you have a healthy LaMelo. You have uh, all your dogs back, so to speak, and then you're going to add a new dog, uh, I guess a puppy, you could say, to the yeah. uh, <laughs> to the brood. And so then they will come in as well, and hopefully it'll be a contributive puppy. And that now we're going to talk about this at two, but I wanted to give a quick tease and, and give some of your thoughts before we get there in just a couple of hours. LaMelo Ball now heads into season four as the franchise guy and the brightest spot on this roster. Do you think we should feel worse or better about LaMelo Ball all-encompassing based on what we've seen the past three seasons and what we saw this past year? What yes, do you think? I think that uh, better what, or worse. What do you think, man? It's 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 a little complicated because I felt like, you know, he got better in some ways, in my opinion, because the game, I feel like, looked easier to him when he was out there. I felt like he could get 25 to 30 uh, at a moment's notice. And that's a guy I feel like that is uh, really starting to have the game slow down for him. But as far as some of the things that we saw from the past, you know, still get a little three happy at times. Want to see him be a little bit more aggressive going to the bucket uh, sometimes to control the tempo of the game. But the thing that I think scares you about LaMelo where you're still kind of in that middle ground is the injury history. You're like, is this something that we're going to have to get used to here? I think no at this point, but I think that's the thing that makes you feel a little bit complicated about Melo's because you're like, man... Is he going to be a guy that's going to be available for us? I mean, people talk about it. That is a talent. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing I think that makes you feel kind of, I'm going to go with better because you feel like the injuries should be behind him after injury plague yeah, season so. this year. You hope so. So I'm going to be on the side of optimism and say you feel better about LaMelo because, like I said, I feel like he looks like the game comes easier to him when he's out there. I'll say this. You know his importance offensively now. That That is without a doubt. And I think we did know that, but it's confirmed yeah. based off what we saw this past season. Hopefully he can stay healthy and hopefully all of the ankle injuries are aside and he can go. Uh, play as many games as possible next season and beyond. It's Wes and Walker. We are live from the Spectrum Center for Hornets Exit Media Day. We appreciate everyone joining us up until 3 o'clock. Coming up next, we'll discuss the Carolina Panthers. And if they'll have the second best QB in the division, regardless of who they pick, at number one overall. NFC South Talk coming up next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker back at the Spectrum Center. Appreciate you joining us on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you want to text us, you can via the Garage Door Guru text line. The number to dial is 704-570-9610. we got a few people writing in about the Hornets. 704 said that I'm excited and positive about the Hornets. Clifford did a very good job, and our defense got better as the season went on. Great team chemistry. So there's some optimism there. Uh, so it says go Panthers guy here on the text line. 
But I think we've found out that is now Shroppy because he's signing off as Shroppy when he's texting in. And so I think Shroppy said, ooh, I forgot about Bryce McGowan's. He also played well down the stretch with Svee Mikhailu. So Shroppy getting okay. in on the conversation. A little burner. Yeah, <laughs> a little burner uh, uh, text account from Shroppy. We appreciate it nonetheless. And uh, by the way, somebody else on, on Twitter, they asked me, where can I find this Rosillo and Bill Simmons thing dunking on the Hornets saying Wembenyama should pull an Eli Manning and refuse to come here? I have not heard that. I've heard them talk about the Hornets. I've heard Zach Lowe talk about the Hornets being the least desirable destination for Wimby. I don't know if they ever mentioned the Eli Manning thing. But if they did, then we dunked on them. And even so, we can like halfway dunk on them for the Hornets being the least desirable destination. Bill Plus, Simmons, too. I don't like him. Either. You don't like Bill Simmons. No. But Rosillo is number one on your dislike list. Uh, one of them. number one, but yeah, he's up there. Uh, of those yeah, two. Yeah. Of those, of those two. And then we talked about... Uh, me possibly sounding like him, and you may be triggered right, a little bit more. You're no, not at all. I said you have different charisma. So Thank you. I, it yes. doesn't trigger me. Yes, I will take that 100%. Also, here's the hypothetical I wanted to throw out before we talk a little Carolina Panthers. We will get to that, I promise. But we were just watching on the TV. Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson getting it to it on the sideline, and Rudy Gobert throwing a punch. Anderson, I, it was hilarious to see Woj come out on Twitter and then document the the back and forth between those two one was hey you know why don't you grab a few rebounds Kyle Anderson went back to Rudy why don't you block a few more shots and it was like okay there was a lot more than that that happened and sure right. enough there were curse words Kyle Anderson called him the b word mm. saying that you need to shut the bleep up that was a little stuff that was a little hard <laughs> so anyways yes yeah, so like all of that and then that's what got you know Kyle Anderson punched a little bit on the sideline I put Wes Bryant in that situation. Like, Rudy Gobert was there. What are you doing? What are you doing in that situation well, yeah, if you're Rudy I'm Gobert? I'm not going to hit him, but it's definitely going to be a shouting match for sure. Uh, I'm going to let him know a few choice words on uh -huh. what I think of him. Uh, they're probably going to cut deep and personal. And then uh, after that in the locker room, you know, if he wants to handle it, uh, we can do that as well. But nine times out of ten, uh, with guys like that, once they get in the locker room, it's over with after the game. It's normally going to be my bads and stuff like that. Yeah, so are are you – the thing is, with Wes, I feel like I could see something on the sideline because you mentioned it a million times. This is all based off of your history and what you've talked about <laughs> being on the football field, that it did not take much for you to start jawing at somebody and maybe getting the shove, Matt. Yeah, no doubt. I mean – and The, and the punch thrown is the big thing here. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm also – I have a gift of being able to be present in the moment. So I know that that's my teammate. Uh -huh. I know how this is going to look uh, on TV, et cetera. But maybe these guys, the bag is so heavy, they don't even care. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I've gotten into it with teammates in practice before. Yeah. Uh, never in a game setting, but definitely in practice. You might get into a little shoving match or shove a guy off and say something like that, man. But at the end of the day, you know uh, that that's your teammate. And so, you you know, you try to set an example. But you're going to get some of this smoke uh, as well. I mean, I hit you, but you're going to get some verbal smoke. All right, last one. Stanford P wrote in. Of the three of us, who would throw the first punch? He said Fitty, assumingly. So do you think Fitty's throwing Fitty the first punch? Fitty just might, man. I mean, that temper is pretty quick. So he, Number one. He just might. I feel like I feel like I'm probably last. I'm going to be the one that's more like I'm probably going to be the one that's going to throw the last punch. I think Fitty is a good guess, though. Well, yeah, you're you're going to be the exact happy medium of what you should. Yeah, because you're not going to back down. Yeah. 
but but also I might I might just back down because I don't drink brown liquor and that's the reason <laughs> 704-570-9610 feel free to text into the garage door guru text line Bryce Young's not backing down he might be the number one overall pick We've not seen at him all battle through injuries and I think for me Wes I think he's the leader in the clubhouse mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are pointing to CJ Stroud if I had to bet and it's transition don't get it twisted I have not been stuck on this one option the whole time but I think Bryce Young right now is the number one overall pick for the Carolina Panthers he's visiting the team on Tuesday so he's not in town today I might have said that first segment but he is going to be visiting the team on Tuesday what would you say if you were forced to put some money down I know you flirted with Anthony Richardson for a little bit Tony Pauline comments got you a little off of that he threw me a little bit off maybe like five toes down just yeah. one foot not ten toes well, down. PFF is okay. Me back okay. Away. Okay. So wait. So I, I like the toes. The toes stance. All right. So how many toes down are you that Richardson is going to be the number one pick? Uh, I'm about nine right now. Okay. All right. So you're you're I'm still about thinking back about Thomas you're Davis. <laughs> I'm thinking about the PFF mock draft that came out. Uh, I guess today or yesterday or something like that. The Thomas Davis comments still linger uh, in my head as well. So. Uh, unless TD, unless we can get him on here, and he says, yeah, man, I was just capping or I was just saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I, I think about that, and uh, I think that the kid is gaining momentum. So if it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and you yeah. can throw Anthony Richardson in the mix, too, if you think he would be, okay. do you think the number one overall pick is going to be the second best QB in the division as soon as he starts day one? Ooh, that's a good question. Derek Carr, number one, just for clarity. Yes, Derek, Derek Carr, Carr, number you got one. Baker Mayfield, and then you Desmond have Desmond Ritter, Ritter, whoever they might select um, as well. I, I'm going to say yes. I I'm going to say yes. yes. I'm going to be definitive. I mean, Desmond Ritter, to me, I think he's got potential to take a little bit of a jump. I think, though, even though it's a bit fishy with the Lamar Jackson thing and Atlanta coming right out and saying that they don't want him, but I still feel like, you know, you don't hear about Atlanta really thinking about making a quarterback move outside of the Lamar Jackson deal. I think they do feel a little bit confident in what he can bring. We're going to see. Uh, but I think that he has a chance to be solid. And then you look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is going to be the best allotment of weapons he's had since he's been uh, in the league. So he has a chance to do some damage there as well if he can get it together. But I'm going to say no. So I'm going to go with the Panthers quarterback will be the second best quarterback in the division. I'm going to take that leap of faith with you. I don't even think it's a big leap, though. I mean, if you are going based off of Baker Mayfield, what he did last year, and honestly what he's done in his career for the most part, mm-hmm. I like Baker, by the way. Like, this is not something where I've had against Baker ever since he was the number one pick. I thought it was totally fine that Cleveland made him the number one overall selection. And you look at specifically even that breakout year where he comes in, he plays in exchange for Tyrod Taylor, and he was clearly the better quarterback that season for them. He played a lot better. The whole you get film thing, he was inconsistent, but he's played some bad football here recently. I have no problem telling you that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is going to be better than Baker. In Tampa Bay, just like it happened in Cleveland, just like it happened in Carolina, is Mike Evans going to be shy of 1,000 yards for the first time this season because Baker keeps your number one receiver from reaching a K? Like it happened with OBJ. It happened with DJ Moore. Mike Evans, 
I'm sorry, man. Like Chris Godwin uh, might eat a little bit, but Mike Evans, I think this is going to be the lone season in his career where he doesn't get a thousand yards because Baker doesn't allow you to. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you veered towards what we've seen from Baker in the past, but this offensive line finished up PFF's ninth ranked unit. Uh, with you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they finished first in the NFL in pass blocking efficiency. Uh, so he's going to have a. I say all that to say he's going to have a solid line in front of him. Yeah, he will. Okay, and then he's going to have some weapons that he can throw to. And we know of one thing, Baker Mayfield isn't afraid to throw the ball. Uh, he's going to throw it down the field to Mike Evans. He's going to throw it to Godwin. And I think he really knows that this is his last chance and this is as good an opportunity as he's going to get. And so um, I think he has a chance to kind of resurrect things a little bit. But as I said, I'm going to be on the side of no. And then, as you said, Ritter, I think he's solid. So I'm going to, as I said, go with the Panthers quarterback stepping in immediately and being the second best in this division. Well, and, and even with these guys coming into the NFL draft, I, I know Bryce uh, Bryce McGowan's here, who we are at Hornets Day. I, I, I know <laughs> Bryce Young is short. Baker Mayfield was also short. Now, not as much as Bryce Young is, but I still view Bryce Young as a better NFL prospect than Baker Mayfield. No doubt I still, about it. I still view C.J. Stroud as a better NFL prospect than I do Baker Mayfield. Clearly the same thing there with Desmond Ritter. So 100% on that front as well. So I, I think it's pretty easy to say that, at least in my opinion. Then you bring in Anthony Richardson to the discussion, and that's where it's going to take a little time. And I know that might be far-fetched. I know that might be exaggerated when you're talking about him being so raw. He's going to take a long time before he eventually becomes the number one overall pick that you draft him to be. And we're waiting on coaching to really fully develop in him. I understand how that can be stretched. At the same time, I don't. I don't make that leap as easily as I do with Bryce Young, with C.J. Stroud, if they're the number one pick. That is the point where you might not have the second-best QB. And, Wes, if it happens like you are leaning towards, if it happens that way where Richardson is your number one guy, then there's a real possibility we see Andy Dalton at, at the very beginning of the season. That, that would make more sense to me. Yeah. And, I mean, if you do have Andy Dalton, then do you still think about the fact that the Panthers have the second-best quarterback in the division? Because I would say so. I mean, if Andy Dalton Honestly, is yeah. the starter, you're last coming year. into the season with that. And then if you're able to, you know, snag a weapon in the draft. But uh, I think Richardson, you'll still see him on the field next season uh, in different ways. But these quarterbacks, you know, all of them could take some time. But when you talk about Bryce Young and his processing and with everything that you hear about him – you would think of the three of them, he's going to be the guy ready to come in and contribute immediately. C.J. Stroud, though, we heard uh, Steve Smith this weekend talk about how He's a great football player, but the processing isn't on the level of a Bryce Young. So he may come in and need to take a little bit of time uh, based off what we see in training camp and in the preseason. So uh, it's just going to depend. I think Bryce Young is the guy that will come in and play immediately uh, out of the three of them and would be the second-best quarterback in the division. I'd probably say the same about C.J. Stroud. And then Anthony Richardson as well, like you said, uh, he'll probably just play in packages so you won't get the reps there to be able to say that He's the second best. I mean, yeah, J-Bo wrote in, too, on on uh, the Garage Door Guru text line that technically right now, yeah, Andy Dalton is the second best. And then maybe you could even argue that just based off his experience. But as far as the talent goes, certainly as far as you would, you would project for the future, the number one overall pick would come in and be that guy. Now, according to Jordan Schultz, he spoke on Friday, and he actually thinks that Bryce Young is going to be that first quarterback off of the board. What's the latest that you're hearing with the number one overall pick? Is it Young or Stroud going to Carolina? I think it's going to be Bryce Young. Now, that doesn't mean that 
Carolina doesn't like C.J. Stroud. Obviously, there was a, a lot to like about his workout, and I think all these guys have helped themselves in their pro days. Um, when it comes to Young, though, th- there's a, a Steph Curry-like 2.0 feel to him that, that a couple teams have, have told me about. And what that means is just the way that he can throw the football is so otherworldly and so smooth and talented that I think it's really hard to pass him up at one. And obviously, as you both know, the knock on him has been size. He's slight. He's not 220, 6'3". But I think there's so much to like about him. He's so smart. Yeah, I think that was Jordan Schultz on VSEN, by the way. But he was talking about Bryce Young there being the number one pick. And, and that's the direction he's going with. It makes the most sense to me. And so when you're talking about him being that guy, I, I think because of all he's accomplished at the collegiate level, winning the Heisman, being with Alabama that has experienced the top of the success, what you can get in college football. It's why I've talked about it so much, Wes. I think the the idea of trying to get better towards the future and even winning right now, you are in a unique opportunity to be able to do that with the number one pick in a way where most top pick franchises are not because you did trade up from number nine and you already took care of so many other position groups this offseason. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's a great position to be in because uh, any of these guys will come in even if you do draft the Richardson this is a guy that's going to come in and still be uh, ahead of the curve so to speak as far as what's going to be uh, around them and so I think that that is a, a tremendous asset that the Panthers are going to be able to have is that this is not an offensive line that you're going to come in and it's going to be uh, drop back and pray to God that uh, you make it through the game every week and it's not going to be a receiving core that guys aren't going to be where they're supposed to be uh, this is a team that you don't want to call them uh, one piece away because I think the thing that's missing, especially from the offense at this point, is some dynamic pieces, mm-hmm. so to speak, that will really turn you into that contender. But you've got some solid pieces there uh, for a young quarterback to come in and have uh, an efficient rookie year, if anything. Uh, 704-570-9610. Going to read a few Garage Door Guru texts before we move on. The bagel guy, he wrote in stop, and he gave us the red octagon. He said, we did not trade up for AR. No need to even talk about it if we take AR at Well, there's my the Panther that fans. I think so. There's my the Panthers Fans will revolt. I mean, yeah, I I think more fans would be frustrated if they took Richardson number one overall. I think people would be scared. It, it would be hard for me to look the other way as far as all the positives <laughs> that he could bring, but I would still choose Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud number one overall. Michael, the 49er fan, our guy Michael we saw at the Ale House, he said he just woke up 30 minutes ago, but he's have hopes we're having a great day. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, look that, at man. Yeah, what a positive message. That's okay. Yeah. You, you, you can wake up with us 100%. We're not the morning show, but we're, we're here for and go everybody. Niners. Yeah, absolutely go Niners. We're here for everybody waking up at Noon the San out Francisco there. ones, not the. Yeah, well, Charlotte, go Charlotte too, Charlotte, man. Go to Charlotte, Coach Pogey, what up? Yeah, go Charlotte too. <laughs> That's right. Shoot. We appreciate everybody listening, whether you're waking up at noon or whether you've been up for quite some time. Let's go to Fitty now for the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, guys, there is some news coming out around the number three pick in the NFL draft. Reportedly, six teams have made calls to Arizona Mm. to see if the Cardinals would be willing to trade out of the number three pick. Wes, you've kind of talked about this being another team that you could see move out of the uh, outside of the top five. 
if that were to be the case, what team sticks out to you the most as going up to all the way into number three in this year's NFL draft? Uh, the team you hear about the most at this point is Tennessee. Uh, they're quarterback hungry. Tannehill's not getting the job done for him. Malik Willis looks to be a complete bust. So I think that this is a team that's looking to move up, looking to get uh, Will Levis. Uh, or maybe Anthony Richardson if he falls. I think one of the three quarterbacks, whoever falls to them is who they will take. But I think Levis uh, could be their guy. Uh, as well, and that's what you're hearing. You talked about Scott Fitterer maybe having the most pressure of any GM in the NFL draft. I went with Chris Ballard, and it's because of situations like this. There's Chris Ballard. There are the Colts. That's why I said they may need yep. to trade up to three. Uh, exactly. Number four overall, do you want to be the team that is left with the leftover QB, which is going to happen if you stay there? If you do not move up to number three overall, then you are not going to get the QB of your choice based off there being a couple of options. You are going to may maybe it is Will and maybe you just want to be smarter than everybody. He falls to four. You don't give any, anything up. Cool. But if that's the case, if, if you want to make your choice for sure, then you're going to have to trade with Arizona and do the whole Chicago-San Francisco thing where you give up some assets to just move up one spot to get your QB. And see, that's why this was bright for the Panthers to move up and do so because imagine if they were still sitting at nine, the Bears make that trade with somebody else for one. Mm -hmm. With all that movement, the Panthers will probably uh, would probably be taking some type of defensive end or offensive lineman. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have no clue what's going to happen. This NFL draft, especially at the top of the board, is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun here today as well we're live at the spectrum center end of season media availability taking place as the coach steve clifford he heads out but we have that interview i had with him earlier playing at one o'clock also some other players exiting the spectrum center as the season officially comes to a close we'll keep you updated on everything plus it's the campus corner coming up next weston walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Hit that follow button. It's easy. The Weston Walker Twitter page, the WFNZ Twitter page, and the WFNZ Instagram. We've always got dope content on there for you. And now it is time for the Campus Corner. That All right, different in our little small room, the echo. It does, right? It's big time. Well, NC State played their spring game this weekend, and NC State fans, I don't know how happy you're going to be uh, about the results. The red beat the white 41-10, so somebody from NC State won. But Brennan Armstrong <laughs> did not play very well in this game. Uh, he played with the red team and set the entire second half, which pretty much tells you He's got the job as if we uh, thought that somebody else would. But M.J. Morris did play good last season. But they said he led the offense to a quick score on a short field in, the, in his first half possession, but then had problems trying to throw the football to the tune of 14 of 28, 127 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, one of which was a picked six. Now, I know this is the spring, ladies and gentlemen, and the weather was horrific out there. But 
with this offense with Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong coming over for Virginia. For those of you who are thinking that maybe you'll get the Brennan Armstrong from two years ago when he had over 5,000 yards of offense, over 40 plus total touchdowns. I know that you're thinking that's the guy that you are going to see. We'll see maybe with dry conditions uh, how he looks as they go into fall camp. But for right now, folks, weather aside, this was not a great performance for him. Julius Chambers, a.k.a. what used to be Vance High School product, though, Kevin Concepcion came in there and flashed a little bit. Two catches for 31 yards uh, for him as well. But uh, I know, Walker, you have been uh, very intrigued and very inquisitive about Brendan Armstrong. How do you feel after hearing uh, those paltry statistics? Wes, I'm not all that concerned, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I'm not concerned is because of the weather. And also, it's crazy to think that it only was three months ago he announced that he was going to NC State. Right. I know they're undergoing an offensive coordinator change, and I get that. I still have to imagine that under the same coach, being with NC State's program for longer than three months like MJ Morris has been, I think that's going to lend itself to him playing better on such short amount of time. And the weather, I think, also matters. If, if you're talking about that little stretch where you've even been in the red and the black and the white and the NC State colors, man, like if it's been that little stretch of time, then I'm not going to hold all of this against you despite you not playing well. I'm cool right now. We'll see what happens right before the season starts. But am I too lax about it, or do you think that – or, or do you think that this is not the, the biggest deal in the world either? Uh, no, I, I do think spring games matter. I know some people like to look at it and be like, uh, it's just a spring game. But no, I, I think it matters. You're going up against a defense that you're familiar with. You've been seeing them all spring long. Uh, st- you are getting used to some things, getting acclimated to your receivers. But by the time you get to the spring game, you've had a month together uh, to get your chemistry down, practicing five times a week, uh, five, six times a week, really. And so, um, you know, I think it is a little bit concerning, but I'll I'll give him a little bit of a mulligan because of the weather conditions. That is why your boy was not up there. I was supposed to go and cover for the ACC Digital Network. Not the rain. Cold and rain is not, uh, you know, not the forte there. So, Dontre Styles, though, is flipping over to basketball. He heads to Georgetown. I know Fiddy is uh, excited about this and mm-hmm. to see what his potential could be. Any thoughts on that as he goes over to a, a, a revamped Georgetown program? Well, and I'm trying to look up the name, too, as well that Ed Cooley was able to get outside of Styles, but I know he's been hitting the transfer portal hard ever since he got that Georgetown job. What I was going to be interested in was to see if he was going to stay in the ACC. NC State, they were going after him out of high school, and so they were in the mix. I thought maybe there was a chance that we would see him go from a North Carolina jersey to an NC State jersey. It didn't happen, and so now he's going to Georgetown. Hope the best for him. You know, we'll see what happens. Styles had the big moment in, in, in the NCAA tournament game against Baylor, the second round when North Carolina went on their championship game run, but other than that, not really all that many memorable moments. Real quickly, Fiddy, we'll throw it back to you. What are your thoughts on Dontre Styles going to Georgetown? Yeah, have fun being a part of a rebuilding program that's in the depths and the barrels of the Big East. Uh, I'm just glad he didn't go to NC State because then then I would have had to hate him. And yeah. I don't like yeah. hating I, I don't like hating my own players outside of Rashad McCants. 
Uh, Larry Drew the second, and now Jason Cable. <laughs> that's that's true. And so now you don't have to hate him as bad. It still felt like a good riddance more than a good luck type of wish from Fiddy. But yeah, Dontre Styles now going to Georgetown. All right, and then Kyle Filipowski yet to make a decision. What is he waiting on? Is Duke trying to get the bag together? That's my theory. Is they're trying to get all the money they can and say, hey, you can make just as much money here as you would going to the NBA. I think it's smart for him to come back for another season but what is he waiting on he just tweeted about an hour ago at 11:13. if you want something precise he said darn did i miss the time window again guess we gotta wait till tomorrow and then gave you a wink emoji he is playing with all of us west that sounds like he's it, coming back to I, school I, if you ask me i, I think it does mm. but i also think that he is trying to play with all of us now going up out to twitter and saying oh man did i miss it again whatever i think he's coming back as well i did not think so what when when you even first brought up the idea of the possibility, I thought, no, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's yeah. one and done. It's gone. But now that we've had all of this, really ever since I said that, we started to hear the rumblings. Nah, he might come back, along with Tyrese Proctor, along with this extremely impressive recruiting class. And so I like he will be coming back, and Duke is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, he plays for one of the brands of college basketball, and I would imagine if he comes back, it's not going to be hard for him to make the type of Skrilla that he would be making at the next level, especially with the hype that this Duke team is going to have next season. If he comes back, they're going to be the number one team in the country. Uh, unless, you know, UConn has had some guys come back as well, but we saw Hawkins going uh, to the NBA. I think, in my opinion, call it ACC bias if you want, but Duke would be in my estimation, the number one team in the country. We haven't seen a team with uh, with the type of talent that they would have returning and coming in uh, in this area yet. Now, what will be interesting is, is to see if some of those five stars that are coming to Duke will end up asking out of their letters of intent so that they can go elsewhere. All right, so you mentioned the ACC a little bias, and that's fine, but you got another team that's going to be up there towards the top of the rankings in the Miami Hurricanes. Now, you lose Jordan Miller, but everybody else coming back is going to be impressed NCAA.com has them as the second-ranked team. They're not really falling out of the top ten. Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, those are a couple of the entities that do have them at 11, right? Stadium, I guess, has them at 11 as well. But, man, what do you think about Miami? Duke, number one for you, and then Miami, too? Is that how we should view the ACC coming into next year? Man, I mean, it depends. We still need to see who's coming and going for um – for Miami as well, but I think that they would be right there, but I think Duke with Filipowski and the crew from what we I saw agree. from them, I think it would be hard to uh, to turn them down. 100%. I, I agree with you. I'd go with Duke and then Miami as the second team, just with all the talent. The fact that you have an influx of talent coming in that's new, but Miami, Jim Laranega, 100%, they were awesome this past season. Alright, and then talking about those Duke recruits in the Nike Hoop Summit, I told you in the McDonald's All-American game, uh, the Duke trio did not show up well, but but they did show up pretty well uh, in the Nike Hoop Summit. Uh, Mackenzie Mbako, we got it right. I watched the highlights Perfect. of him, and he looked good. I checked them out. He had 22 points, eight boards on 6-14 shooting, 6-9 forward, 2-5 of five from 3, 8-10 of ten from the free throw line. Jared McCain had 10 points on 5-9 of nine shooting. And then Sean Stewart kind of still had a slow day, uh, 2 points and 4 rebounds. But uh, Mackenzie Mbako, if you look at the highlights on Twitter. 
he looked pretty good. So if they're able to get these guys in, and go ahead, what have you got? No, no, I was just going to ask, do you like the hype a little more than what was surrounding Derek Lively? You were very out on uh, him early last season. Well, just because when you're the number one player, and when I watch your tape, I just want to see absolute destruction, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't see that when I watched his tape, but he did prove his value, especially defensively. And offensively, he got better as the season went on. McKenzie Mbako, you look at him, I mean, he's a uh, a classic wing in today's game. He's going to take you off the dribble. He can shoot off the dribble. He's got the pull-up jumper going. You know, offensively, he's going to give it to you. So uh, this is a guy that can get his own offense. He'll certainly have to come into Duke, though, and learn how to play uh, within that team element with the guys that, that they'll have. Yep, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's it's a good offseason for Duke, especially and assuming that Filipowski's coming back. Yep, so when we come back, Coach Clifford with Walker Mail, they're going to talk about all sorts of topics as the Hornets close down their season. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.